Now I want you all to close your eyes. Start rubbing your hands together. I want you to start feeling positive energy. I want you to think about Gabriel Jesus curling in a cracker against Leicester. About William Saliba playing like a brick wall. No, don't think about the own goal. You're ruining the vibe. Think about Saka. Think about Martinelli. Stop thinking about Lacazette. You're going to spoil this. Deep breath. Whisper boom jacka jacka. And there you have it. Arsenal are going to finish in the top four. Or are they? We'll see. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. you haven't seen the documentary about Arsenal, none of that will have made any sense whatsoever. But I visualised a top-tipping team this week, and they have appeared. Mark O'Hare with us once again. Mark, Arsenal have made a very bright start to the season. They have a great chance of making it three wins out of three when they go to Bournemouth on Saturday. Yes, they do. Um, Bournemouth, the team I had uh, sort of rated bottom coming into the start of the season, and so far, despite that victory they got against Aston Villa, which was a bit of a nothing game on match day one, they then obviously had the um, difficult task of going to the Etihad and then getting thumped by Man City. So I think it's hard to sort of read them completely right now, whereas Arsenal, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a very good start. That Leicester performance was very impressive, uh, the way in which they created chances at will and, and converted them too. Um, but, uh, you know... Uh, the Crystal Palace game was very impressive too. For the first probably half hour, at least maybe for the first half, I thought Palace came into that game really well after riding that early Arsenal storm and, and probably deserved to at least get a goal and make a, a bit of a better fist of things than losing by, by a two-goal margin. I think that was probably a little bit unfair on Palace and probably a bit kind on Arsenal despite the, the plaudits that came their way. So, yeah, things are looking good. It's chalk and cheese to where Arsenal were 12 months ago. Uh, defence is looking pretty solid now with the additions. I really like the signings that they made in the summer, but it's a long, long way to go and it's a long season. So, you know, it's a it's a, a strange season too, you know, which is going to be punctuated by a World Cup. So um, I don't want to sort of make any claims that Arsenal are guaranteed to finish in the top four. Far from it, because I think Chelsea gave us a, a big reminder of their quality um, last week against Tottenham. We know how Spurs are well favoured by all of us, really, to, to go very strong. And then you're trying to sort of... Um, battle against Man City and Liverpool. So it's a, it's a really diff, difficult task, but I do think they're getting there slowly. And I do think that battle for, for the top four is now probably a three-way race, but I, I still want to sort of reserve judgment on Arsenal until we probably see them in, in more sort of meaningful matches against really sort of high standard opposition. The dashing don of data, Jake Hulskethorpe from Infogoal is here. Jake, what have you made of Arsenal so far? Uh, they've done as we'd expect, I think. Um, well, I expected them to, to hammer Leicester last weekend, and, and that's basically what they did. Uh, the XG total was quite considerably in their favour, 3.15 to 0.71. So 4-2 probably flattered Leicester a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, the issue I've had with Arsenal, um, and I said this at the start in the first podcast when they went to Crystal Palace, was their away form and their away process, because that ultimately is what let them down last season. In terms of finishing the top four, um, the performance, as Mark said, uh, it wasn't really a 2 0 performance at Palace. It was a sort of, you know, they did enough to get the win. I'd like to see them go away um, in, in particularly look at this game this weekend and, and make a statement and, and put on the kind of performance we expect uh, to see from Manchester City or Liverpool when they're playing away from home. Because no matter when, whether they're at Anfield, the Etihad, or playing on the travels, those two teams that are 
admittedly a cut above the rest. They dominate wherever they are, wherever they're playing. Arsenal, I've not seen them do that just yet under Mikel Arteta. And last season was a prime example. They finished with a negative XG process when playing away from home. Um, and the start of this season, as I said, it was it was a it was you know it was a good win. It was a hard fought win, but it wasn't the kind of um, smash bang wallop kind of performance that you want to see um, from a team that you that are, many people are, are really high on at the moment. So I think that they they'll you know they'll, they'll still be there or thereabouts in that top four race. I still have them finishing fifth, unfortunately, and, until I see that change away from home. He's been training hard in pre-season. Now he's ready for his first appearance of the campaign. It's our top trader, Emmett O'Keefe. Emmett, have you been impressed by Arsenal so far? Yeah, I have. I, I, I like what Jake said, though. I think it's because it's a very interesting contrast between kind of Chelsea and Arsenal, where Chelsea, kind of, they have to work so hard to score their goals, and they're kind of, but they have a really, really solid defence. But kind of, you, you, you couldn't trust their attack to beat the lesser sides. Where Arsenal are basically the opposite. They are they're a little bit flaky defensively. Leicester created plenty of chances last week, but and, and as Jake said, they've kind of they've struggled away from home, but they do have like their. I think they're they're they're, they're just they're pretty irresistible in attack, and as well they're fairly injury proof now. We haven't we obviously haven't seen Fabio Vieira, but if he's we'll, we'll see, even if he's a useful player, I think that's that'll be very valuable depth for their Europa he's League. More campaign. than useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So as in like, but obviously even if he's like I think even if he's a Europa League and Cup player, I think that's that that that, that really has value enables enables Arsenal to, to to rest the likes of Odegaard, Saka, like Emil Smith Rowe is injured, but I think he's an excellent player. Like as in. If you talk about Man United, I would love if Man United had Demil Smith Rowe on the team. And like I think again for Europa League depth purposes, I think I think I think if he's your Europa League and depth option, you're in a really really good place. The, the the question mark from a personnel point of view has to be midfield though. Like I think I don't think I think we've seen we've seen enough from Granit Xhaka to know he's not he he, he, he he's not a player at this level. And I think and they, and we we saw last year. I think Arsenal's kind of with or without points totals with Thomas Partey were really stark. I think it's something like they were close to two, a friend, an Arsenal friend of mine was telling me they were kind of close to two points a game with Partey and kind of around kind of the one point without him. I think that's the what does not necessarily representative of how good Partey is, more about how bad Arsenal's midfield options are behind them with the likes of Sambi, Lakonga, etc. And I think even I don't know. Maybe we we might see Alexander Zachenko play midfield, but I think there's just the midfield and kind of defensive solidity and the kind of being solid away from home and grinding out results. They're the questions that Arsenal have to answer. But they're clearly a far better team than last season. And while they've spent they've spent 120 million pounds round in the summer, but the reality is that figure is probably closer to 180 in the sense that like if you put William Saliba open on the transfer market off a kind of a, coming off a league on young player of the season, he's a 50 or 60 million pounds center half probably so that, that they're just they've had incredible investment and and, and as such are they're clearly a far better team than last season so mark ahead of this trip to bournemouth how do we approach this from a betting perspective then um well you'd, you'd want to try and get arsenal on side in some way or form um personally i'm, I'm leaving the game alone I, I didn't see anything i really want to sort of get behind i think arsenal are fairly priced around 1.46 on the exchange you know, pre-season, as I said, I expected Bournemouth to be there or thereabouts in terms of not just the bottom three, but actually sort of propping up the league table. Um, I still believe that too. So, um, and if we do believe that Arsenal are now gunning for a top four, not just a, a top five position, then these are the games that they are expected to win and win handsomely too. So, um, yeah, I'd expect Arsenal to win. And if they do, they probably will score two, two or more goals. But um, I've kind of left it alone. I think Jake's probably got a stronger view than I have. Yeah, I was going to say, Jake, what stands out for you? 
Um, yeah, going with the theme that Arsenal don't tend to pack a punch as much away from home as they do when they're at home. I just looked at the, the goal line and thought it'd be worth signing against goals. Um, so under 2.75 goals, which is priced at... Um, let me just get this up now. Yeah, we're looking around 1.95 on the exchange for under 2.75 goals. So this basically means that if there's two, uh, zero, one or two goals, we get a winner. If there's three goals, we get half a loss. And if there's any more, then uh, we make a full loss. I just thought that a couple of things, obviously I mentioned Arsenal at ho- away from home don't create as many chances. They're not as um, affluent when they're going forward for whatever reason on their travels. They don't, maybe don't play with as much confidence or as much freedom. Um, and also Bournemouth, I've been surprised with how well they've played defensively. I know that the 4-0 scoreline looked like a bit of a slap in last week at the Etihad, but they conceded just um, 1.68 expected goals against in that game. And if you ask any any manager... Uh, if they're going to, you know, go to the Etihad and, and allow an XG worth of chances of less than two, they would take that absolutely and 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 run to the bank with it. And they were unfortunate. There were some really good finishes, weren't there? Kevin De Bruyne with an unbelievable goal that probably very few people on the planet would have been able to score. Um, and you know, you, you combine that with the fact that they only conceded 0.6 expected goals against Villa as well in their opener, um, and they are starting to look like a potentially a difficult team to break down. And um, Arsenal's track record away from home does. You know, it does almost make me want to err on the side of caution, should we say, in terms of getting them on side. So um, I think they'll win, but I don't think it'll be a high scoring game. Um, so I'm happy to take the under 2.75. The other alternative would be if you, if you are very confident of an Arsenal win, uh, the old podcast favourite of Arsenal to win an under three and a half goals in a bet builder. Intriguing game between Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. Mark, you look at Villa. And there does seem to be a bit of negativity around the club, even though I look at their squad and think it's pretty good. But there are big questions over Steven Gerrard moving forward. So it's an important few weeks for him to kind of underline, underline that he can do it uh, without McBeal, who's moved on. You know, there's a lot of talk about his actual coaching acumen. Yeah, there is. And um, I, for one, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this. I've been a little bit unconvinced and a little bit underwhelmed by, by Aston Villa since he took charge, and particularly after he was given the, the transfer window too, well, two transfer windows now as well, and he's brought in a raft of top-quality additions. Um, you know, last week, at home to Everton, it felt like a, an opportunity for them to really put their foot down and show us what they're capable of, but it wasn't the most convincing of performance. Um, I know the XG total was really, really high, but for large parts, it was quite a dull and dismal match, really, and, and sort of it kind of just sparked into life there towards the end. But um, quite alarming, really, in, in terms of the, the opportunities that Villa gave away to, a, to an Everton team, which are kind of powder puff at best and are missing almost all of their attacking options. I think they generated over two expected goals at Villa Park, and, and now they're without Diego Carlos as well, the big money centre-half signing, who would have been a fantastic addition if he had an opportunity to play longer than two, two games. So, so he's ruptured yeah. his Achilles, hasn't he? So he's out for, yeah. what, nine months, possibly? Yeah, at least, yeah, probably the season. It's, it's a nasty, nasty injury. So, But yeah, we've we spoken at length, I think, regarding Villa's progress under Gerrard. I still think the jury is out there. Um, they did win at Selhurst Park last season, and they do have a reasonably decent record on their travels when they're going to teams outside of the top five. They won seven, drew one and lost six. But ultimately, I'm just not seeing the, the sort of long-term progress or process um, which kind of commands such support really in the market. Um, we talked about it last season about Aston Villa being sort of liked by the market, particularly since Gerard was appointed. And it's kind of carried on into this campaign as well. Um, 
I think Palace are being underrated here. Um, I think they've had a really tough start. Obviously played on Monday night too, so they could be a little bit leggy, but they can be really pleased, I think, with their performance. Um, I think they finished the last hour very strongly against Arsenal at Selhurst and, and then at Anfield they generated over one and a half XG, executed a game plan very, very well. I know they got a little bit fortunate scoring with their first efforts, but even still, you know, you take your wins when you can. It was a great um, goal as well, wasn't it? Brilliant goal. breakaway goal. Yeah. yeah, superb and wonderfully finished by Zaha. And, you know, they'll be targeting this game as, as an opportunity now. You know, we've, we've had Arsenal, we've had Liverpool. Now Villa are probably more our, our opportunity to get the, the points on the board. And and Jake will tell you, Palace ranked as the, the sixth best team at home in the Premier League last season in terms of the underlying numbers. Particularly defensively, they are very strong. Uh, I don't think you can have any sort of complaints about the, the individuals in that system now either. I think there's ability going forward and I think there's enough sort of physicality and uh, an organisation defensively there to, to be a, a real sort of tough nut to crack. And, and ultimately, Palace at home under Patrick Vieira scored in 15 of 20 home Premier League games and kept nine clean sheets. It's a 45% strike rate for, for shutting teams out, which is really strong. And they've only lost five of those matches as well. So I'm struggling to kind of work out why Palace are being sort of underrated by the market here. But you can get Palace plus zero on the Asian handicap, which is the same as drawn a bet at 1.86. Um, I make these two teams much, much closer to equal, if not Palace giving, be giving them a very slight edge. Um, so maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm happy to go against the market here. Yeah, Jake, it does seem strange, doesn't it, that Palace aren't being more strongly rated here? Bizarre, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's almost close to pick them, isn't it, in terms of the 1x2, and, and I just can't get my head around that, same as Mark. Um, yeah, so far this season, I, mean, I don't think there's a team that's had a tougher opening schedule, is there, playing Arsenal and then Liverpool back-to-back. Um, and, you know, we look at last season, the sort of underlying numbers that they put up, um, just simply phenomenal um, for a team of Crystal Palace's stature. They were punching with the big boys. They had the third best defensive process in the entire Premier League when playing at home, allowing less than one expected goal per game. And in general, they were the sixth best home team, as Mark's already said. So, um, yeah, I, I think you know that those two games, at Arsenal and, and, and Liverpool, never going to tell us too much um, about them long term in terms of where they're going to be. But I, I, there's nothing that I've seen in those two matches that's going to put me off thinking that they're going to be a top half team this time around which is my initial thought at the start of the season if anything it strengthened uh, my beliefs because they pushed Arsenal really close and uh, the XG figures were incredibly close it was 1.22 to 1.5 so that could have gone either way it could have been a draw based on the chances created and obviously slightly fortunate against Liverpool with the sending off and uh, the fact that Liverpool missed quite a few chances in that first half but to go to Anfield and, and generate one and a half XG as, as Mark's mentioned is, is a pretty decent feat especially when you're playing five at the back and just playing out on the counter-attack because we've seen that uh, that approach by Palace quite a few times uh, previously like under Roy, Roy Hodgson and when they have scored they, they've been it's been literally few and far between in terms of chances so they'd have like two or three shots and managed to score one whereas Palace actually took the game to Liverpool a little bit more um, than what we've seen them was doing that recent hit the times. Post, didn't he when he should have scored and they had some bright moments they, they did yeah and, um, and I think it, it sort of speaks to Vieira as a coach and, and how good he is. The fact that he, he was able to switch formation to something that they're not familiar with and get the message across as to what he wanted in such a short space of time and a sh- such a short turnaround in a big game. So uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit. And then we come on to Villa and 
as Mark said, they've conceded over two expected goals against Everton. I mean, who does that? <laughs> this current Everton <laughs> who does team. that with full strength Everton, let alone <laughs> yeah. Everton scratching around. You know, we're talking about one of the worst attacking teams in the Premier League based on their underlying numbers, and and they've managed to ship two expected goals. And I thought they were they were ex- incredibly stretched at times with Villa, and <clears throat> that's a massive issue when you're coming up against the Crystal Palace team that has such canny operators like Suvese. We saw Lise come off the bench; uh, he's really get, regaining fitness. Uh, Zahar, obviously. So yeah, I'm I'm all over Crystal Palace this weekend, and, and I agree with Mark. I think the safe approach um, and the more cautious approach is probably the smarter one in this occasion, taking Palace uh, plus naught on the Asian handicap rather than just taking them to to win outright. But I wouldn't put anyone off backing them at a, a big price to win the game. Um, I just think with as we 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 keep saying it, and we've said it, you know, for the last probably six months, Villa have quality in the squad. They do have individual quality, um, and that's always a little bit of a risk. Uh, in, in these games where potentially you've got two fairly evenly matched teams. I think we all agree that Palace are, are ahead of Villa in terms of that rating. But when Villa have players like Watkins and Ings that can do stuff out of nothing, then um, you know the, the chance of them scoring increases. So playing area on the side of caution, plus Norton Asian handicap definitely is uh, is a big bet. This football season, you can get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip with just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Emmett, take us to Goodison Park. Forest on a high after their win over West Ham. Everton, not on a high. Everton, generally not on a high. Absolutely. I think it's kind of... um... It's kind of it's it's interesting it's interesting with Forest because I think like it's, it's it's very hard to know how exactly how to rate them or how to price them given like, they have three hundred new players yeah only, just, <laughs> only two only two players who started the playoff final against Huddersfield started started last week in the home game against West Ham which is in in, 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 in a really unforeseen turnover I would say and kind of they were. And I think, I think that turnover is kind of understandable, though, in the sense that maybe not quite the numbers that they have given, but they were a mediocre side by the XG in the championship last season. And they lost Jed Spence, who's one of their best players, to Tottenham in the summer. So I think they did have, they did have to spend big. Um, and I'm, I'm not yeah, I'm not quite sure how good for Forrest are. They did show defensive frailties against both West Ham and Newcastle. They were fortunate to keep, keep a clean sheet against West Ham, conceding over two and a half XG. However... They're playing this week against one of the few teams in the league, I think, who won't be able to expose their won't be able to expose their defense. I think, like we we, we know, Everson's struggles in front of goal without without Dominic Calvert Lewin. And I know it's early, but I'd really question the signing of Dwight McNeil. I don't think he's a I don't think he's a dynamic attacker. I don't think I think players without without the kind of size size athleticism and real real technical gifts like that's they're not the kind of players I want to be betting on the front three well he seems to have really declined doesn't he because there was a spell when he was at Burnley where he genuinely looked like a top winger and his confidence seemed to dip as Burnley really struggled and it, it, it's a big ask isn't it for him to regain those levels that's it I, I, I think Sean Dyche did a really good job Burnley for, for many years but you couldn't say he was a good developer of attacking players he just didn't set up the system that way and and, and as you said McNeil's games has really has really stagnated and he's good to that on Deverton and I think just like just given Everton's issues, I think like Abdullah Dekore isn't exactly kind of Patrick Vieira in his prime, but he's a solid Premier League midfielder. He went off with a hamstring injury last last week, and if he doesn't play this week, his replacement is going to be Tom Davis or Alex Iwobi, who I think are 
championship level midfielders. And just given all of that, I can't have Everton at, at, at around even one in the exchange. I'd make it probably closer to like 11 to 8, 6 to 4. I think probably Forest winner draw double chance at 5 to 6 is the way I'd look. At a kind of a bigger price, and I almost like this bet a bit better, is there's Nico Williams score assist at 9 to 2. Williams had four shots last week against West Ham with two on target, and he's really given license to play high up the pitch by Steve Cooper. Williams also took a lot of Forest set piece against West Ham, and given Everton can see the joint most goals of any team in the Premier League last year from set plays, I think I, I think Williams would be a huge threat from set pieces also. So I think that I think, uh, maybe Forest winner draw double chance and Williams to score assist in, in, in a bet builder definitely. Definitely worth the bet. I like it. Emmett's bringing the fire. That's what we want to see. I was impressed by Tyro Awoni, by the way, having played as well as he has for Union Berlin for quite a long time. Forrest in their own way are quite direct in the way that Union were. And I can see already kind of why Forrest targeted him because I think he's the kind of striker. If you get him the ball early and you get him decent service, he can do some damage. So I think he's going to be an important player for them going forward. You've all selected Leicester Southampton. Who knew that that was going to be the game of the weekend? But it is. All three of the guys uh, have something to say on this one. I'll start with you, Mark. Southampton had a really good comeback against Leeds, but there's still this kind of fog of negativity around the club. Rav Hasenhutl doesn't seem to be on 100% solid ground there. And Leicester seem to be waiting for the end of the transfer window because half the squad's being linked with moves away. They haven't actually signed anybody of note. So it's a strange old game, this one. Yeah, really strange, but a really big game for two managers who will be feeling a degree of pressure. And yeah, Leicester seem to have an air of stagnation around the club at the minute. And, and Fofana still not got that move, but seems to be angling towards it. The report suggesting he's already agreed terms with Chelsea, Chelsea but... We just don't know. Uh, Vardy's had links with Man United as well. Which seems Do you remember when but... tapping up was a thing? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, he's been tapped up. He's spoken to the club ahead of time. It's just, everybody yeah. does that. Shrugs their shoulders now. It's not a big deal these days. But yeah, it's, it's a strange vibe around Leicester at the minute. Um, their opening display is, of course, a bit of concern. 2-0 up against Brentford uh, without doing a huge amount and then nearly losing the match and then battered by Arsenal at the Emirates. Um, I know we're only two match days in, but if you look at the... The underlying process, Leicester are very much towards the top end of all the, the negative numbers. And uh, uh, going forward, they're not creating a huge amount despite scoring four goals. But I think that's the the always uh, the threat that Leicester hold is they've got such individual quality in, in, in the final third. But they are capable of scoring from most situations. But defensively, you've got Fofana, who's not himself. Amate playing out of position at centre-back and Siunchu, who's been banished to the, the subs bench, which is kind of long overdue, really. And then you've got Wilfred Ndidi, who hasn't looked the same player now for, for quite some time since, you know, consistent spells on the sidelines. So I worry about Leicester. Um, but then you've got Southampton, who I was really impressed with that comeback against Leeds. Perhaps shouldn't have allowed themselves to be in that position in the first place. But the comeback to me suggested that those players are still kind of at least trying to, to do right by their head coach, who I think is a real asset to that club. So it'd be a shame if they forced him out. But the big issue for Saints really has been their, their complete no-shows away from St Mary's and that needs addressing, particularly defensively. They've conceded two or more goals in 21 of the last 25 away Premier League games. Wow. God, that's awful, isn't it? That's <laughs> really poor. Shocking. <laughs> um, 
go back 39 away games. They've kept five clean sheets away from home. Bizarrely, one of those was away at the Etihad last season. Uh, no idea how they came around with that. But um, 64% of those games featured over two and a half goals. They've scored in 62% themselves. And actually, the last 12 away games have featured over three and a half goals uh, on eight occasions. So they tend to be amongst them go- amongst the goals, mostly against them. But um, Leicester, as we know, t- always tend to be involved in high-scoring games. 65% of Premier League games since the start of last season went overs. 70% paid out for BTTS. They scored in 34 of those, kept just seven clean sheets. And in 12 of the last 14, hosting bottom six opponents, overs has landed. And I thought this was interesting too. Since Brendan Rodgers was appointed Leicester manager, no Premier League team has been involved in more both teams to score winners than Leicester. You look at last season's meetings, 4-1 to Leicester at the KP, 2-2 at St Mary's. I think it's difficult to trust either defence. I think both teams tend to be quite proactive in their approach, um, at least in terms of pressing for Southampton and Leicester in terms of their quality. So for me, it's all about goals. Uh, You can get over two and three quarters, around about 1.82, but uh, I'll take both teams to score on over two and a half goals at 1.8 on the bet builder. Jake, there was a moment in that Southampton comeback against Leeds that really stood out to me, and it was that incredible pass from Sekumara to set up Kyle Walker-Peters. It kind of underlines what Saints are trying to do, doesn't it? Because they're trying to put together this team of young guys who Ralph Hasenhutl can mould. That's what he wants. He likes to work with young talent and develop it. He's good at that. Romeo Lavera, I think, will be a good signing as well from Manchester City. But they're going to be naive and they're going to make mistakes and they're probably going to give away a load of goals as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what ultimately what you get when you, you're integrating young players. And, and from a punting perspective and just generally trying to gauge what Southampton are, it does make them very difficult uh, to assess because there's so many unknowns around the, the, the players and how they're going to fit in and how they quickly they're going to adapt to systems and styles. Um, but as Mark said, consistently, these two teams have delivered by being just terrible at the back. Um, and, you know, I'll touch on Leicester first because they were... They were appalling against Arsenal last week. Granted, Arsenal are a very good attacking team. But to go to the Emirates and, and allow over three expected goals against is a shocking performance. And then just to dig in further back, Leicester have actually lost the XG battle in 12 of the last 16 Premier League matches. And across that 16-game period, they've shipped an average of 1.8 expected goals against per game. That's relegation-worthy, and, and that's actually worse than what Watford finished with last season. And so. I feel like you've been saying this for ages, actually. I feel if we go back into last season, you've been saying Leicester are pretty much showing relegation form in terms of the underlying numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was around, uh, yeah, probably around Christmas time where it started to get look really bad, where they were actually on track. If they carried on the same way they were going, they would have been on track to be go down as the worst defensive team Infocall's ever seen in Premier League history. They kind of rectified that a little bit, but they went from a shipping 2.1 expected goals against per game through about 19 games to finishing with about 1.85. So they dropped it a bit, but not a lot. And, uh, and that's it's leaked into this season. Um, and the issue they also have, Mark touched on it there, that in attack, they've actually been really fortunate to score as many goals as they have so far this season. They've scored four times from chances equating to 1.28 expected goals. So it's not as though they're, you know, they're in ding-dong battles where they're out creating their opponents and getting unlucky. They are they are consistently being bettered by their opponents and that's a massive, massive issue. And then 
you know, Southampton, some of the stats Mark read out there about them away from home just, uh, yeah, puts into perspective how poor they are when they are travelling. And maybe that's just a, a style perspective and um, maybe a bit of arrogance on, on Haas and Hootel's part that we're going to play our way wherever we go. And, you know, away from home, it's much more difficult to, to play a high press and a high line and leave spaces for your opponents than it is uh, when you're at home and they naturally recede. So no surprise at all to learn that in the last 10 away Premier League matches, Southampton have shipped 2.4 expected goals against per game. Um, so, yeah, you can see what's going to happen here. You've got two defences that are just all over the shop, two managers that are more attack-minded managers than they are defensive-minded, um, and two teams looking to get a first win of the season. Um, and, you know, depending on how you view Leicester, personally, I view them as a, as a bottom-half team. I think they'll have enough to stay away from the relegation battle, but... The numbers that they've shown over the last 12 months suggest that they could be dragged into it, which would be a surprise. Um, then this could also become a, a fairly big game in terms of just wanting to distance yourself from a potential rival. So, yeah, I, I like the, the selections Mark put forward, both teams scoring overs. I just thought taking over three goals on the Asian line at 2.1, a um, little bit more risk, obviously, in terms of that you need four goals in the game to get a full payout. Three goals gives you your money back, but... Everything we've seen so far, I mean, what Leicester and Saints both had a, a 2-2 draw, a 4-2 and a 4-1. So all the matches this season have gone over three uh, three goals. And, and as Mark said, the two meetings last season also went um, over uh, over this line and would have landed winners. So more than happy to just chance defence has been an absolute farce at the weekend and, and loads of goals. So I met the guys are going for goals. You going for goals as well? Yeah, nothing, nothing more to add. The, the lads have given it excellent kind of statistics, given the kind of justifications why both teams are scoring over two and a half is a bet. Is a bet. I just would say with Leicester, I think what 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 has been their calling card in terms of like punching above their weight or, uh, uh, under Brendan Rodgers uh, has been the recruitment. And I think like last season was the first time they really missed. So it was like they brought in Sumare and in midfield and Pats and Dak up, Pats and Dak up front, and we haven't seen any real production from either of them. And it's just like kind of a combination of that and now they're kind of owner having financial problems and wanting to move players on it's kind of a the combination of those two factors i think is, is part of the reason why we're seeing leicester struggling and also like at the start of the season leicester's two best players i would say at the moment are fofana and yuri tillman's and both of them want out so like you're going to your team your two two best players two best players two best players in your team wanting to leave is, is, is not a good scenario for any team so i'd be very hesitant i'd be very hesitant in, in including leicester in any kind of accumulators at the weekend no matter how kind of frail southampton have been because for as bad as southampton would have been we know that we know they will play for ass noodle as we saw as we saw in the comeback last last week but um yeah i'm expect, expecting a kind of a high scoring game at the weekend and uh yeah both teams are scoring over two and a half goals looks good yeah, it was interesting that Kasper Schmeichel played so well on his Nice debut as well in Ligue 1. And that, uh, I think, is going to be a big blow to them, not just in terms of losing a top goalkeeper, but in terms of the leadership and experience that he has. Uh, Mark, you want to look at the uh, West London Classico between Fulham and Brentford? Yeah, uh, I talked about the, the Crystal Palace price and that kind of raised an eyebrow. And this match did as well, certainly looking at the markets ahead of the Fulham Brentford game. We can get Brentford on side with a quarter goal start at 1.82, which effectively means we're making money if Brentford avoid defeat at Craven Cottage. Now, obviously, both teams are unbeaten through the first two match days. Fulham back-to-back draws, Brentford battling back against Leicester and then smashing United. I thought Fulham played 
really well for a good hour against Liverpool before potentially sort of tired and fatigued, um, deserved their point and then would consider themselves a little bit unfortunate at Wolves considering Mitrovic's missed penalty. But um, if we exclude the penalties one in both of those matches, they've not created bundles of clear-cut opportunities. Now, I know it's only match day two and we can't read a huge amount into these numbers, but XG-wise, they're sitting sixth in the Premier League after two games. But if you strip out the penalties, they're actually bottom five. Uh, and I think this is going to be a very different test to them, um, for them, I should say, uh, and a difficult one too. You know, at home, first game against Liverpool, you're going to be right behind your team. But I think Brentford, um, suddenly the expectation shifts a little bit. And I like Brentford in this kind of position where they're not necessarily favoured, um, but they're fancy to do pretty well. They come in pretty buoyed after their performances so far. A brilliant end to that Leicester game, which they should have probably won, in fairness, uh, towards the end. And then the United performance. Last season, you'd they expect ranked them to beat the smaller teams like United, though, wouldn't you? The team that's bottom <laughs> of the Premier League, you'd expect them to sweep them away, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you, I'll leave that one. You, you've had that as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> I opened um, that door for you. <laughs> they, uh, they, they produced the eleventh best away Premier League record last season, which is not bad for a newly promoted club. They lost nine of those nineteen games, but if you look closer, seven of those defeats came against the top nine. So their record away at teams in 10th and below was four wins, four draws and just the two defeats. And overall, they only lost five of 18 fixtures against fellow bottom half teams. They won the expected goals battle pretty well against both Leicester and United. So, yeah, I just think they're well more than capable of going to, to Fulham and getting something out of this game, whether it's a full win or a half stakes win via the draw. Um, I'm just surprised. I, well, I have been surprised at Fulham's performances. They've been better than I expected. But I still think they're you know, a decent distance away from a team like Brentford, who I expect to be solid mid-table. Um, and yeah, just happy to, to support the Bees with the handicap start. Our game on Saturday with the Bet5 Get5 offer is Tottenham Wolves. It means you can get a £5 free bet if you stake a £5 bet builder. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.org. Thoughts on what we might throw into a bet builder? Jake, I'll start with you. How would you approach this Tottenham? Obviously uh, going well, got that draw at Chelsea, even though they didn't, they weren't brilliant all the way through, especially in the first half. Chelsea seemed to have their number. And poor old Bruno Large gets wheeled out after every game and says, oh, we should have scored about five and we didn't get any. It just seems to be the theme every single week. Yeah, he would be lying on that front, um, I think. Because <laughs> they, they do, they, they do only... miss a lot of chances, though. Yeah, but they're not very really good chances. You know, they've only racked up over two expected goals through two matches. So him saying five every week was implied you'd expect ten xg. So I, I um... may have misquoted that. <laughs> Is your Portuguese not not too good? Uh, no, no, no. Okay, we'll let you off. Uh, but yeah, they 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 are um, they're trying to turn a corner, aren't they, Wolves, and go from that sort of defensive-minded back three to playing a bit more expansive for two three one or four three three, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, the players that they brought in imply that they're going to continue with that. Obviously, Guedes coming in. Uh, the midfield they bought from Sporting Lisbon looks a good player as well. Yeah, so, he is a good player. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're keeping the recruitment original, at least. Um, keeping it in-house with the Portuguese. They should go back to that third kit, the Portuguese third kit that they had a couple of years ago. That, was, that, that was very nice. first kit. Why not? Yeah, why not? Um, but, you know, they, they, it's, it's worked for them so far in terms of it. they competed in the top seven and, um, uh, and obviously they survived last couple of seasons that's kind of the important thing to remember isn't it in a a way because I mean I used to cover Wolves a lot when they were in the championship and you know they've come a long way so bobbing along in mid-table for Wolves in the Premier League is not a terrible thing at all 
No, it's absolutely a success, um, and I, I think the you know the the amount of investment that they've had, particularly this summer, they brought they've spent you know was it close to eighty million quid now, maybe a bit more. Um, that suggests that maybe mid table, maybe not this season, but the season after might not be good enough if they continue with that level of investment. They might want more return on that back into European football. Um, but yeah, they, they they're trying. They're trying to become a more watchable side and uh, a more attacking, more adventurous side. But that could be a massive problem um, in this Tottenham game, just purely because Spurs at home are an absolute animal. They are a force to be reckoned with when playing at home, particularly under Conte. They've only Liverpool and City picked up more expected points in home matches after Conte took charge, um, and only the same two teams were better from an underlying number standpoint in terms of attack and defence. Um, yeah, two point two six expected goals for per game is a it's a decent total that at home for Spurs, and and we know that given the amount of clinical finishes they have on the team, they don't need to create too many more than that to rack up three, four goals. Um, so yeah, the, um, the the issue I've got with Wolves is still defensively. Uh, if you remember to the back end of last season, they were shipping chances left and right and they were actually conceding goals at a rate we would expect to see. So when they were losing 2-3, I think it was against Leeds, they conceded three goals with a man sent off and there was a couple of other games where they conceded a couple. Um, yeah, that that's not a surprise and that's kind of continued this time around so the winless in nine um and a, in premier league and across those games you've allowed 2.15 expected goals against per game so they are shipping quite a lot of chances throughout this winless run um so yeah if i was to throw one into the bet builder it would be over two and a half goals i think we could be in for quite a, an entertaining opening uh opening game of the game week with spurs obviously having numerous attacking talents to, to call upon emmett what would you be chucking into a bet builder here do you think um, I think probably Ivan Perisic to have a shot on target. Uh, he's, he's around kind of close to even money, eleven to ten. I probably he was he kind of hit a knock, so he hasn't started in the first couple of weeks. But I think he'll be a, key, a really key player for Conte this season because I think the with Conte's any of these wing back systems, you need the wing backs to be an attacking threat if you're going to be a serious team. You see that with Chelsea, yeah. with Kurt Chilwell and Reese James, and I, I'd expect and like Emerson Royale and Ryan Sessegnon. Like if, if Tottenham want to get to the place they want to get to, I, 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 I don't think they can rely on them to be attacking threats. But I, I think I think Perisic can be. He did, he did a really excellent season for Inter Milan last season, getting kind of close to eight goals, eight goals and seven assists. And any other game in a match that Tottenham should dominate, I think I think he can find find the target at least once at a reasonable price. Just on Wolves, I just I'd be a little concerned that they'll be kind of a relegation candidate all, all, all season. They were like they were seventeenth and they were just above the relegation zone and expected points last year. And the reason they kind of kept their head head above water really was because Jose Sa I think had the second best shot stopping stats in the season yeah. in the season behind David de Gea. And that maybe maybe you can't rely on that season and just. And we saw a bit of decline from Raul Jimenez. I just say your front, their front four this week is, is probably going to be Neto, Podence, Morgan Gibbs, White, and Gonzalo Guedes. Like I wouldn't be. I think the, the main thing from that, I, I wouldn't trust. The only player I would say is a really high ceiling out of those four is Neto. I think I think he'll really have to deliver on the form he showed pre-injury to kind of uh, to, to, to keep Wolves head above water. But I am slightly biased, but I am very high on Nathan Collins. They signed for Burnley in the summer. I think he's got the. He's got a good combination of athleticism and being able to pass it out from the back. So as they try to transition into kind of a back four, I think he can he, he can be a positive for them. Yeah, Mark Bruno Lars is trying to be a bit more fun, uh, and his Benfica side, to be fair, played brilliant football when he was there. It went horribly wrong in the second season, but it started really well. 
Yeah, um, I admire him for switching system uh, in pre-season and sort of telling the supporters that they will try and shift things and be a bit more uh, exciting going forward. Uh, I think the jury's definitely stood out on Gonzalo Guedes uh, in terms of if he's going to be asked to lead the line um, for Wolves. Uh, I thought he had a fantastic breakout season with Valencia, but since then it's been very, very inconsistent and very hit and miss really, whereas the Mateo signing is something that really gets me excited. I think he can add a huge amount to that Wolves midfield. So, um, interested to see how they go. I still think Spurs are much a stronger team. I think they're full value for their sort of 1.36 price coming into the weekend. Um, the guys have gone what, over two and a half goals and even Perisic to have a shot on target. Uh, I've looked at Ruben Neves to, to pick up a card. Uh, he will be towards the top end of the market, but um, he's very much leading the way in terms of fouls, tackles, and all those kind of contributions to that Wolves team. If you look through his last three or four seasons playing in the Premier League, he's always collecting a minimum of eight cards across the whole campaign. So uh, if you theory think that uh, Spurs will dominate in terms of possession, uh, counter-attacks and transitions, he's going to be having his hands pretty full there. And I'm not sure he's the, the best uh, architect of playing that sort of defensive midfield role when pressure is on. So um, if you chuck all those three into a bet builder, it comes out at 9.4, which is quite a nice price to cheer on. If you can rely on one thing on this show, it's Mark O'Hare to bring the violence. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, which landed at 7-2 to two last weekend, by the way. It's a betting feature so revered that legendary WWE wrestler Triple H originally got his name from backing three home wins in a League One Acker. <laughs> now, how this works is all of the guys come up with uh, a selection ahead of the weekend's action. We throw them into a treble, and lovely traders like Emmett give that a bit of a boost. And Emmett, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, well, I think we'll we'll, we'll start with a banker. It's currently around four to seven or eight to thirteen, but um, as for all the reasons that that have been discussed, both teams to score in uh, Southampton. Southampton Leicester looks kind of a decent way to start off the act. He's nipped in. That's going to annoy Jake. That makes me happy. I'm going to go with Mark next. <laughs> Um, I will go Crystal Palace double chance at home to Aston Villa. Yes, very sensible. And Jake? Um, <laughs> I'm clutching now. Every single <laughs> week this is. Yeah. I, I yeah, I thought Mark would be angry with the, the Palace game uh, the Leicester game going off the board as well, but he's 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 he reacted. Nicely. See, Jake, he just reacted. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, well this is this is you know, this is good radio, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to take under two and a half goals in Everton Forest. Okay. They have spoken quite a lot about, um, well, we, we all have about Everton's shortcomings in attack, but particularly at home, they've actually been very strong defensively uh, under Lampard, allowing just 1.13 expected goals against per game. Forest, I think they'll be a similar, maybe maybe a bit of a Jacqueline and Hyde team, play different styles when they're at home or away. I think they'll be gung-ho and, and really attacking swashbuckling when they're playing at home and, and a bit more cautious and wary away from home. I think they could lead to a low-scoring game. Okay, well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. The Premier League and the EFL extensively covered on our website, betting.betfair.com. Lots of tips, previews and analysis from Emmett, from Jake, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now. 